bandages right up to the top of his head, all round his ears. Any blood? No, no blood. There must be a way back. God knows there's a way back. If only they'd leave me alone. <laughs> Something so light. Alright. Gotta take it by the hand. <laughs> like Just any pill, you have to take three. Take them like popcorn. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's do it. Welcome to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about a bunch of old movies and act like sometimes we're gonna talk about a new one. That rarely happens. Hi. <laughs> We're your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm with Jolien over there. And Will over here. <laughs> Jolien's invisible for this one. I'm waving. <laughs> it works. Hello. That's Will. And Jolien. This is the sound of my voice. <laughs> Jolien's playing the part of the invisible man. 1933. Directed by James Whale and starring Claude Rains. Yeah. Uh, well, Briefly. I, Starring Una O'Connor. Mm-hmm. Claude Rains' voice. Anyway. <laughs> you see Claude Rains for, what, about 20 seconds? Yeah, he's right at the end. Yeah. He's, yeah, dad. That's a, that's, a good, um, that's a good point for us to give a spoiler warning. We're going to tell you how this thing ends. Wait, we just did. <laughs> Came out a zillion years ago. If you haven't seen this thing from 1933, you're probably just listening to this as a curiosity if you haven't watched it. So, spoilers are ahead. Um, thank you to the Moonrays for giving us the intro. That was the spoiler. That was, that the, was the spoiler. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We're going to come on here and just read a list of spoilers. We could do that. I saw a comedian named Barry Sobel open up for Chris Rock, and he just came out and did a tirade of punchlines. <laughs> and it went on for about two or three minutes. And at first people were looking at him like he was an idiot. Then they started laughing because you'd recognize some of them that were really wrong. Yeah. Carlin read the phone book. Oh, that's good. On stage once. And people didn't know what to think. I would know what to think. I'd think he was really high. They, they eventually, <laughs> he probably was really high and only said afterwards that it was a great comedy experiment. <laughs> All right, thank you to the Moonrays for giving us the intro creature feature song at the beginning of the show. Find the music on iTunes, or um, you can find them on Facebook, but uh, iTunes or Amazon to buy their music, and it's awesome. All right, so um, let's do that what have you watched thing. All right. What have you watched, Will, since we did this last? Nothing. Right Better on. call Saul. Me That's too. It. <laughs> it was good, huh? Yeah, it was really good. Only one left. Oh, man. Julian, how about you? I've, I've not watched any of those. <laughs> You're better call Saul. You'll dig it eventually. Right. Yesterday, uh, Bone Tomahawk. Yeah. What'd you think of it? 
I thought it was an excellent movie. All right. Excellent movie. Yeah. So, uh, what with The Witch and Bone Tomahawk, that's two like, debut di- directorial efforts that give me hope for the future. Just when you start to really lose hope, something like that comes along. Yeah. It's stunning. Yeah, I don't remember watching anything feature length. I think I just watched some television since last time. Um, I did go through The Invisible Man with the uh, commentary on, and that was kind of weird. But uh, other than that, mostly just television. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I also watched uh, Victor Frankenstein, the film from last came year. Came in from the library. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and that was, that was about right. Yeah. yeah. You had more than one thing you watched. I yes. saw a trailer for that and it looked yeah, not not good. Yeah, it's um parts of it I really liked. Yeah. It is several people involved uh, worked on the Sherlock series. Oh, okay. So you've got that kind of hyperbolic, you know, charging around and yelling things. Oh. Approach to science fiction. Um. Yeah, it, it, it feels kind of naff in a English movie. Yeah, <laughs> to do that, but uh, yeah, some of it's really good. It's uh, it's a nice looking movie, and uh, so you've got Daniel Radcliffe as Igor, and it's told from his point of view. Harry Potter is Igor. Yeah, he's That's a really pretty strange. Igor, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, he's he's good. Like he starts off as a hunchback, but he gets better. Oh. And uh, James McAvoy is uh, Victor Frankenstein. And that guy can just generate fluids yeah, out good. of any aperture to emote with. Yeah. There's like a, yeah, he, he does his usual like welling tears in his eyes and he's very good at that. And uh, yes. there's like spittle flying all over the place at the end of it. Founts of spittle. His, his famous vomit scenes that he has in every film. And uh, Charles Dance plays uh, Baron Frankenstein, his his dad. Uh, Mark Gattis turns up in the uh, <laughs> in the big monster scene at the end, and uh, yeah, it's uh, there's some good stuff in it. I quite enjoyed it overall. Oh, anything else on the list? Uh, I've watched um, as many of the Universal Invisible Man films as I could. How many Invisible Mans did you watch? Um, so I watched the uh, Invisible Men, the original, The Invisible Man Returns, Invisible Woman, Invisible Agent, Invisible Man's Revenge, Abbott and Costello Meet the Invisible Man, um, the end of Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein, where the Invisible Man turns up. Hmm. Of course. <laughs> and I watched a couple of uh, silent movies to see the earliest invisible people. Oh, I was wondering how early that effect came up yeah i, think... I looked up how he did it mm-hmm. pretty interesting stuff but uh how i'm early... not gonna say how he did it <laughs> that would be too spoilery have to go look it up <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think the earliest uh, i could find was uh, the invisible sylvia 1904 hmm. wow that's early george Sil- uh, george melier oh okay uh but i couldn't find Footage of it? Yeah, footage online. Couldn't find a picture or anything. Um, and the earliest one I, I did find was The uh, the Invisible Fluid, 1908, which is directed by Wallace McCutcheon. And it has, uh, playing bit parts, there's uh, D.W. Griffith and uh, Max Sennett. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> Small roles. Strange. And then uh, and there's a, uh, another French one called The Invisible Thief from 1909, which is from uh, Ferdinand Zecker, where uh, the thief is like, uh, the, he's his fellow in this really loud suit. He's wandering down the street and he's, he's this uh, bookshop and he, he finds a copy of uh, uh, The Invisible Man by G.H. Wells. Oh, okay. And uh, it's got the the um, formula for invisibility in it. Oh, so yeah. So he takes it back to his apartment and uh, <laughs> he happens to have the right concoctions on hand. And, of course. Yeah, and so he, he becomes invisible and goes and steals stuff. And the police chase him and he, he hits him with a chair at the end. Hmm. Sounds pretty good. But, uh, yeah, do you want to know how to become invisible? Um, should we reveal it? Well, uh, you could tell. Yeah, um, get, go get ahead. Your, get your pencils and paper ready. Uh, 15 drops of Invisibilite. Oh, okay. Okay. Two grams of Vaporine and 10 centiliters of Fluidithe. Okay. Well, okay, I got most of those on hand. <laughs> right. Yeah, there you go. Well, sometimes, for example, vanilla extract... You know, there's there's a different flavor to the vanilla from Mexico versus the vanilla from Tahiti. Mm. So you have to really pay attention to things like that. Okay. Yeah. Because it, it could really throw off the flavor of something. That so, is quite the tip there for our listeners. So so if, you, if you're if you getting 15 drops of Invisaline or whatever that was. Have you ever seen um, the process they use to make vanilla or gather <laughs> vanilla? It should cost... Ten, like ten times more than it does. Oh yeah, oh like, yeah. Almost nothing from orchids, right? That they have to dry out for a year or something. And uh, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it's this crazy bean that grows off of an orchid. Mm-hmm. And also look up cashews. Where you get cashews from? If you're not familiar, that's really interesting because the apple type cat shoes. Cat shoes. Cat don't shoes you, don't your cats shoes. wear shoes? They won't. They won't wear shoes. I loved Kurt Russell in The Cat Wore Tennis Shoes. That was a great movie. <laughs> I thought that was that darn cat that wore tennis shoes that's from outer I, space. Okay, that's what it was. It had Fred McMurray in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, did you, Jolien? <laughs> see, a little invisible joke there. Uh. <laughs> So what drove this? Uh, who got a hold of the rights to The Invisible Man? Obviously Universal Studios, but mm-hmm. how'd that come about, do you know? Uh, well, they wanted a, a fantastical follow-up to their successes with uh, Frankenstein and Dracula. And uh, so they, they had the rights to uh, the H.G. Wells novel. He, he, he was still around, so he sold it to them. Oh. And uh, uh, they uh, Island of Lost Souls had come out before this one was made and he wasn't too happy with that one mm. and uh, although it's, it's great and it's still the best version of Sadly, the of Dr. Yes. Moreau <laughs> right uh, it's, yeah, it's a really good movie um, anyway they uh, they got a whole bunch of different writers to work on it they, they had a lot of trouble like same with Frankenstein they had like 12 different treatments yeah I read that the I don't know who the screenwriter the final screenwriter on this was but that Aussie Sheriff yeah when he went in to do his treatment they didn't actually have a copy of The Invisible Man they only had other people's treatments Mm -hmm. and so he (laughs) he was uh, he took a look at the book and decided that it would be much easier to adapt than say Frankenstein or Dracula Mm. naturally 
Yeah, it's, it's fairly faithful. It, it kind of yeah, condenses things and, and you know, uh, leaves out a whole bunch of characters. And yeah. Adds in a romantic subplot. But. Right. And um, do I remember this correctly, that uh, MGM passed on this one because they couldn't pull off the special effects? Yeah. Yeah. They had no idea how to do it. Yeah. And Universal's like, Phew, we could do that. <laughs> yeah, so they went to John Fulton, who was head of the trick department, and uh, they said, uh, do you think you could make this? And he said... Oh, yeah. He said, yeah. And so he, he like worked on doing visible effects for six months. Yeah. From that book, G.H. Wells, <laughs> Invisible Man. Yeah, they had the, the formula down. Yep, the Invisaline and the uh, ben, Bendy Light drops. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was before uh, blue screen... Green screen, yeah, chroma key, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so he's he's working with um, black felt or uh, velvet, traveling mats and yeah. um, wires and yeah. I mean, I mean, some of these effects go back to the uh, the silent. Days. Yeah, yeah. The footprints were interesting. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, they had uh, little cutouts, and they would pull the pegs, and it would drop down. Really. Yeah, yeah. He has a like, at the end. You see uh, the footprints appear in the snow, mm-hmm. and what they did was they had a they had a trench, and then with covered with the snow, and then the uh, below that was like a board, and in the board were cut the footprints, and then there was pegs below the footprints, and then they pull that. Or the the pegs were like. A, tied up and so you could pull them out in sequence and then the oh. yeah, cut out to drop and then footprints appear even though he was barefoot he was barefoot and they looked like shoe prints but yeah. yeah this is kind of your favorite uh um idea behind the invisible man isn't it will that he's he's nude the whole time yes so he's basically a nudist that wants to get away with it anywhere anytime including in the snow the invisible flasher there's always a sexual element to all these invisible people movies you've got a naked person Uh a naked person naked madman in this one running around and this one he specifically says uh, an invisible man can rob rape and kill which I don't think he says in the novel hmm uh, so it's definitely a threat. I mean, your your privacy is under threat if there's someone you can't see at all times around. Yeah, yeah. could be anywhere. And and I was having a conversation with, with uh, some friends once about this uh, being a horror film or not. And if you have a crazy person who's invisible and you are unsafe at all times, they could be in the room with you and you wouldn't know it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that? terrifying isn't that that's why i carry a pocket full of flour <laughs> everywhere i go <laughs> that'll take care of them you know they come near you, you you toss it at them well the invisible man so much as says he has to watch out that his fingernails don't get dirty yeah that could give yeah. him away or he has to wait to digest yes and uh which they don't show on screen for a few years the first actually there's a as a porky pig cartoon from the late 30s <laughs> called uh, porky's movie mystery Okay. From 1939, where um, there's, there's some good gags in it, but for some reason that they want to have Porky Pig as a detective, so they're making Mr. Motto. So he's not only doing the Porky Pig voice, he's doing a Japanese Porky oh. Pig voice. So Porky Pig in yellow face? <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. So he's he's like doing a takeoff from Mr. Motto. And, uh, and then there's this character called the Phantom who's like, uh, who's angry that... Uh, the movie studio only made one Invisible Man movie and then, <laughs> and then dropped it. So he's like 
trying to take revenge and the police they pull in all the vill- the screen villains and the only one you see is the Frankenstein monster being grilled by this little policeman <laughs> but anyway um, I think that's the first invisible uh, film where uh, you see him eating and he like he chews up an apple and then you see the apple go drop okay, down yeah, into his I've stomach seen that. yeah I like that um, I had a thought about this now if the invisible man is a threat to you and you're in a room with him and you decide you're just going to pick up a knife or a machete or an axe or something and swing it around hoping mm-hmm. to keep him away and you accidentally kill him <laughs> and then you're haunted by the ghost of the invisible man oh is that going to be any different Hmm. Much harder to, to I mean, deal we should, with. We should copyright the, the invisible ghost. The ghost of the invisible man. Wouldn't that be a? We should copyright that before we air this. <laughs> you go right ahead. <laughs> I think this co- counts as copyright. Yep, we copyright well, it. These do like um, kind of crossover with in, uh, ghost movies. You know, you have uh, uh, the Topper series starts up in thirty-seven. Yeah. So you have a lot of the same invisible kind of special effects. Yeah. For that. And they they not only sort of rode that as long as they could, but they also reused some of the uh like the train derailment. Yeah. In this movie, they reused that a couple times, yeah. several times. Sherlock Holmes movies. Yeah, car crashes. That Lionel train set was busted. It was a it was a good miniature though, isn't it? Yeah. And they and you and they have a, a mat so you can see the uh, the switch operator in his hut. Mm-hmm. So it kind of sells the illusion. Yeah. I like that. Water is so such a dead giveaway, though, every time. Right. Yeah. it does not move the, right. The splash didn't look right. And yeah. I, that's something I was about they to should, say. Yeah, they they should have just cut the water. Yeah. Isn't there something they could add to water to make it splash differently? Think about it. Flour and gravy? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you see like some of the war movies where they have battleships, like uh, if you know what you're doing, then you make your your miniatures as they were pretty huge. Right. Yeah. So they're massive models in, in the ones that are well done. Right. Because you, you've got to deal with the uh, scale of the droplets. You can't do much about those. Right. Yeah, that's the problem. All right. So... Um, this movie opens up with a stranger uh, appearing, and well, he doesn't appear. He walks into a pub, and he's completely can, covered. Yes, <laughs> he's got. But one, one one of the things like modern viewers might be surprised about is that like there's a sign right at the start saying NRA. Oh, yeah, remember that? Mm-hmm. And like Emily goes, uh, "What? They were around back then." And uh, but that's like it's a different NRA. It's a New Deal uh, thing. It's the National Recovery Administration. Oh. But this is supposedly set in England. Yeah, this is, but it's an American movie. Yeah. So this right. is just support of this, the New Deal, which was on at the time because you just, you know, the Great Depression had kicked in. So they had the, the National Recovery Administration was uh, for uh, uh, minimum wages, maximum hours, um, fair, oh. fair practices in industry. And public projects that would employ people, yeah. such as building schools and roads. Uh, yeah, that was the, like, the New Deal. Yeah. yeah, and uh, but the WPA. the NRA was all about like uh, reducing cutthroat competition, so that people who are out of work would have a you know a chance, and it did you know help out the unions. Cool. But uh, that's what the NRA is that you're seeing at the start. Oh, okay. It's nothing to do with the Rifle Association. No. <laughs> so the stranger uh, walks into the pub, mm-hmm. and he's covered. 
doesn't shut the door behind him. No. <laughs> what a dick. I mean, you right could tell he knew he was trouble. He's a madman, you could tell. Yeah. It's like even the littlest things. But he's got this overcoat, all these bandages, yeah. uh, this thing on his nose. and uh, Dark and glasses. You notice the, uh, it, it, there's three cuts closer and closer. And uh, in the same way he introduces the Frankenstein monster. Okay. In Frankenstein, you know, like just cut, 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 and then, and then the last one is like a kind of low angle, so you can see the nose is artificial. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, when you first see this this character, I mean, if if you're familiar at all with Invisible Man films, you know that well, he's invisible under there. Yes. But everybody in the pub seems to think, well, he's a little odd, but no, mm-hmm. he's not that odd. It's cold out. I don't think I've ever been in weather so cold that wrapping bandages around your whole head and putting a false nose on. Well, they have all these theories, like they immediately think he's escaped from jail or he's uh, he's had an accident or something. Yeah. Yeah. He wandered out of a hospital, something like that. But uh, yeah, these imagine... people would all be old enough to have been through the First World War, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. You'd see uh, victims of gas attacks. And Claude Rains was actually a gas attack victim, wasn't he? Really? Yeah. And he, this is an actor who's known for being one of the, the golden voices of Hollywood. Yeah. But uh, he, when he, he was born into like, poverty in London, and um, like, most of his siblings died um, of poverty-related illnesses. And uh, he was uh, from East End of London, so he was speaking with a Cockney accent. Oh. Really thick Cockney accent. Yeah. Like, his own daughter can't understand him. <laughs> and uh, and so then he he's you know he, he ends up in uh, World War One and he's he like shelled and he gets hit with gas and that uh, you know uh, affects his eyes and his throat uh-huh. again uh, and and you know he, he uh, one of his eyes remained like ninety percent blind the oh, rest wow. of his life so um, when he became an actor he he worked to overcome his native accent and his injuries wow and, he and did come it. up with this amazing voice an excellent job he was hired on his voice <laughs> yes and uh and of course you know the story that uh the, there was the notion to put boris karloff's voice slash 20 mm-hmm. seconds of face in this movie and they decided he he just didn't sound refined and oh he was uh he had a contract dispute because um yeah universe had lost a lot of money in the depression and in the crash and uh so when actors got to a certain level they'd fire them <laughs> so, yeah, he'd, he'd become he'd been in these hit movies and so he was like due for a, a major pay raise so they uh, uh and they wouldn't give him money so he walked huh. so they brought in this newcomer who'd only been in one movie i thought it was i thought he he uh, that claude uh, that um Claude Rains. Claude Rains had beat him out just based on the quality of his voice. But uh, no, he, it was, he, he, he actually... did a screen test and by his own admission he said like, this is one of the worst screen tests ever done. He was like really <laughs> overacting. But James Wells saw it and uh, he, he, liked, he really liked the voice. So that's why he picked him up. The, the remedy to overacting is not to have the, the uh, actor rein it in, is just to put Una O'Connor next to them. <laughs> And I'll, I'll insert some sound bites of her her um, freaking out. Uh, so she plays uh, Jar Jar Binks in this one, stumbling and babbling through the movie and <laughs> screwing up everything. You know what's funny about this is the film historian who did the commentary on uh, the DVD that I own, uh, 
basically said that aside from this and the same exact shtick that she did in Bride of Frankenstein, that she was actually capable of, of acting mm-hmm. and, and, and being normal. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I have a hard time wrapping my brain around that. But okay. I'll be fair. I'll watch another thing. I was fair enough to watch fucking Dane Cook uh, because I said, that guy's not funny. He isn't funny. He's objectively not a funny comedian at all. He's not saying anything that's humorous or interesting or funny. I thought, no, I'm just being a dick. So I waited till I saw a comedy special was going to be on. And I, I thought, I'm going to watch at least a solid 30 minutes of this. Maybe maybe a little more. Um, he wasn't funny. He's saying <laughs> what none of us are thinking. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, yeah, Una O'Connor... Uh, does kind of bring the whole thing down in the scenes she's in. Yeah, she's in. the... Uh, so it's her and her husband. Uh, they're the Halls. Her- she, Herbert she, and Jenny. Jenny Hall, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they run the, um, uh, the the Lion's Head, which is the coaching horses in the novel. Ah. Uh, in West Sussex. So not, not that far. A few hours from where I used to live. All right. In the 90s rendition, it was called The Peach Pit. So uh, we got uh, we got uh, the stranger requesting a room and a fire. And I seriously doubt West Sussex was called the Peach Pit in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got me. <laughs> so uh, so the stranger gets uh, settled in and starts. Where where did he have all the test tubes and crap? Did did, did he? Have he a, has them sent up from the station. Is that what it was? Yeah, he has a trunk in there. Okay. They were in his coat. I was wondering, because he kind of rolls in not carrying anything. And uh, I must have looked away when the trunk came in. Uh, I think he mentions that he wants his stuff sent up, and he can't get them that night, and he's he's quite frustrated. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But in the novel, there's a whole chapter devoted to these huge boxes of bottles and books that get sent yeah. up. It's been a long time since I've read this book. Was it one of those uh, grade school reads where you did a book report on it or you were required to read it or anything like that? Um, I may have done a book report on it, but I just read a lot of H.G. Wells. Mm. I read all his books when I was a kid. It's interesting how much that stuff holds up as far mm. as the concepts. Yeah. And the storytelling. Uh, yeah, I'm reading uh, When the Sleep Awakes at the moment and uh, yeah, what it has to say about how the world is run is pretty prescient. I kind of want to go back and... And, and from from similar eras, you know, like just before, just after this, reading stuff like, you know, Mark Twain and Edgar Allan Poe, I think it's really interesting because mm-hmm. that stuff does stand the test of time. Yeah. I mean, there's some things that obviously don't. Yeah, some of Wells is it gets a bit creaky and yeah, but he was a he was a forward thinking fellow. Yeah, for the most part. Sure. Now, was it was it H. G. Wells that that got. Uh, called in in question because some of the stuff he came up with was uh, very similar to what the government was working on. Uh, Nuclear submarines, <laughs> that kind of thing. He wasn't around for nuclear submarines, but uh, yeah, he had the concept of tanks and things like that. So. That's what it was. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. All right, so... And, um, and TV. Yeah, and it, the, uh, the, the novel came out in 1897. Uh, it wasn't the first story about invisible people but uh they just discovered um who was it uh, uh 
Wilhelm Röntgen had just discovered X-rays in 1895, so it kind of inspired the the novel. Oh, okay. and, and those those got kind of misused and abused. X-rays did for a while. Um, apparently, there was some device they could put in a shoe store where you mm. could put your the foot. Fluoroscope. Is that what it was called? Yes. <laughs> what a horrible idea! Let's irradiate our feet. <laughs> Didn't know any better. That's they true. They put radium in watches. I mean, Denver here had a huge radium plant and people doing their own radium work at home which they would you know then toss out into the dirt they tore up so many streets here because they were radioactive there's still lots here that are radioactive (laughs) wow that's insane i can't believe people working at home to try to make a buck painting watch faces with radium and well there's kids in you know the far east who like comb through piles of rubbish to pull out all sorts of toxic Those are things. young entrepreneurs. <laughs> I saw one of the, I saw some kids like that and they were somewhere in Africa. I don't remember where, but yeah, they pull out gold and whatnot from busted up computers. Wire. Mm-hmm. And I leaned over and told Gene, you know, if this was a newsreel in the thirties, they'd give you know, they talk up these kids and how they're making a buck and they're out there contributing <laughs> to society. Like young urchins. Yes, exactly. Nothing gets these kids down. <laughs> <laughs> so did you um, did you look into uh, what other acting um, Gloria Stewart had done uh, besides well, playing yeah, Flora? I mean, she, she's... Uh, uh, became famous uh in the 90s because she was in titanic yeah she playing was... kate winslet yep and then uh, <laughs> she plays old kate winslet the year before uh, Invisible when she was in the old dark house yeah another james well movie when they were trying to just kind of cash in on the haunted house idea uh yeah and the old the old dark house is is like a, a genre of mystery horror that uh was really big in, in the 20s on the stage yeah. So like by the end of the twenties, the they're already doing parodies, like horror parodies, and then the old Dark House was like the first movie to really do that. Mary Reinhardt and the Bat and all that. Yeah, the Bat. And that, uh, Roland West did the 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 first two Bat movies, mm-hmm. which are you, yeah, you should check them out, especially the Bat Returns. I've seen both. of Yeah, them. it's got really amazing that, that, yeah. that shot down the building at the start. The Bat Returns amazing. is pretty fantastic. Yeah, so if, if you're into like the origins of Batman, you should really check yeah. check out the Batman. But anyway, uh, uh, director of that was Roland West in 1923. He did The Unknown Purple, where a guy has this ray that projects a purple light and turns things invisible. Oh, hmm, that's. Um, Another earlier entry. Why isn't invisibility as uh, interesting now? Well, there's going to be another Invisible Man movie. Was it going to be uh, a friggin' superhero? Uh, let's see. No. Uh, yeah, a uh, couple of years from now, the the scheduled the Invisible Man starring Johnny Depp. Oh, that's right. I heard about that. He'll be a nude, murderous rapist. <laughs> Opposite. Well, they've they've done <laughs> that. Helena Bonham what Carter. they hope will be a new franchise. There's the the Hollow Man was was pretty Kevin much Bacon. explicit yes. treatment of what H.G. Wells implies. 
Uh, yeah, and then you Terrible have Hollow Man 2, which if Hollow. you're a fan of Supergirl, has the fella uh, Peter uh, Facinelli plays the cop in Hollow Man 2. You, you want to know a Kevin Bacon movie that, that really got overlooked that was kind of a shame? Is Stir of Echoes. Um, it got overlooked because... The, I don't even remember that. See, there you go. You overlooked it. Um, the Sixth Sense came out, and this had enough things in common with The Sixth Sense that people went, oh, it's copying it. Well, it came out right about the same time, just weeks later. It's like they ran out and made a movie in a week and edited it another week and released it. No, people are so dumb. One's not copying the other. Well, it could be a case, though, of, you know, such and such has a great script over there. We didn't want to buy it. We passed on it, but we basically are going to make our own. Oh, that happens a sort lot. Sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's coincidence. Sometimes they hear about another project, and sometimes yeah. like a bigger project is getting publicity, so you can. Yeah. So you come out with your own. Oh, Bugs that, that Life used movie. to happen when smaller films could get released. Yeah. In mainstream theaters, like uh, the Italian film industry, is pretty much all about that. Yeah. <laughs> Up until the eighties, and they. They just run out of money. And they were making, like, the fake Jaws movies? Yeah, yeah, tons of shark movies. Yeah. I wish they were still around, because I'd, I'd love to see Italian, like, takes on, you know, the big portentous Hollywood movies. Yeah. Just uh, get down to the nitty-gritty. That's well, f- they still have the studios that... It, I, I haven't seen one in a long time, but they're still out there that, you know, transmorphers, it'll be like... Trans- oh, the asylum! <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Like that. They're, they're terrible. Dull. Yeah, they're no good. But you know, that's the same sort of idea. Right. I kind of wonder what the transmorphers theme would be. <laughs> Less than meets the eye. <laughs> that's right. Oh man, what a terrible idea! Just come up with your own stuff. What's so hard about it? So this, the way this movie uh, moves along, we don't see a descent into madness. We see a, we see a revealing of just how mad this guy is, right? Yeah, he kind of he, he he's calm when uh, Flora turns up, when his girlfriend turns up. Yeah, and he's kind of calm until she gets him talking, and then he starts ranting. Yeah, the monocane kicks in. Yeah, he was snorting a lot of monocane apparently. Well, he doesn't realize that monocane that he's using in his his invisibility fluid is um, causes uh, you know insanity because uh, that information really... only turned up in a German paper, which was published uh, after the one that he's working from. So, and he keeps talking about there being a way back. He wants to get back to. Visibility. Visibility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sanity. And sanity. Well, he, maybe he's not really aware that he's insane, but it seems, and I could be wrong on this, but um, it's it seems like this is a way, like this is a device to sort of, uh, you know, keep the love interest, you know, at a distance. So we don't have to feel she's in too much peril. I don't know. but uh, But he's insane and he wants to... He wants to be visible again so he can continue his work and get back together with the girl. Is that kind of like the, mm-hmm. seems like his motivations? And um, somewhere along the way, he just takes a sharp left turn into, I want to go wreak havoc on the world. Mm-hmm. I want to rob banks and derail trains and ride bicycles naked. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks, Invisible Man, you can keep the bike. 
<laughs> that was a cool trick, though, that they, they actually had it yeah. writing on a, a concealed track, holding it up with wires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looked pretty real. Yeah. So did you watch this recently? Yeah, I watched it this morning. Okay. I watched it uh, a while back on Sven Gulli. That's that's right. Sven Gulli does a great job with his research team getting all the kind of uh, trivia and yeah. I don't think I finished history. watching it, but uh, I did today. And I I like this one from just liking the book as a kid. Mm. Yeah, the uh, the idea of a naked guy riding a bike. Ugh, it's just, it's just gross. Um. Una O'Connor's character, Jenny, is on to him pretty early, though. I mean, she she's, like, shrieking and babbling to anyone who will listen, but nobody will listen. Well, he's shouts at her immediately. <laughs> he does. <laughs> then he, uh, doesn't he push her down? I think he does shout. Yeah, he, her. Kind of, he kind of gives her the shove out of the room. Yeah. And he throws her husband down the stairs. And then, yeah, her husband gets tossed down the stairs and bangs his head. Yeah, which, the idea of which was uh, later uh, recycled in The Exorcist. I was going to say, <laughs> second movie in a row, so when I got tossed down the stairs. We should, we should make that a requirement for any movie we're going to talk about. But uh, the the uh, character, the the, um, the Invisible Man's uh, actual identity, Griffin, uh, sets up a mini laboratory in his room. Not lavatory, but laboratory. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's he's muttering about there being a way back still. He really wants to get back to visibility. And, um, and Did he never think of makeup? I kind of wondered the same thing. Like, couldn't he just powder himself up and just be like, oh, I have a skin condition? When the, uh, in The Invisible Agent, he has cold cream. He smears himself with cold cream so that he can yeah. show what he looks like to Ilona Massey. Yeah. Well, there was that terrible Chevy Chase Invisible Man movie. I try to forget that he put makeup on. That was kind of a neat effect at the time. Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, in the uh, in the Invisible Thief, he he puts on this rubber mask. So this is like 1909 technology rubber mask. It looks pretty creepy. (laughs) Oh man, I can imagine. And in the the David McCallum TV series, he he uh, he has this kind of life mask made, so Mm -hmm. you can just slip it slip it on, and and he has these gloves as well. Yeah. So the um, the throw down the stairs was kind of what what brought uh, the police attention on Griffin, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, one of these guys. is actually not English, I understand. Uh, a lot of the cast were Irish. <laughs> uh, the policeman was Irish, I think. The, the really gruff one. Um, yeah, with the big tash. Yeah, yeah. yeah it looks like a walrus. Right, yeah. the big soup catcher. <laughs> the soup strainer, the cookie duster. <laughs> yeah, E.E. Uh, e. Clive, I think, is Constable Jaffers. Jaffers. He's the one that says, look, he's all eaten away. Yes, <laughs> He's in uh, Bride of Frankenstein as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny how this, some of these folks just got recast and recast, mm-hmm. just switching roles and all that. So this is where it's finally really apparent to everybody that there's an invisible guy running around, apparently naked. We could tell he hasn't eaten recently, but his nails are really clean. <laughs> running around, 
Just saying. Just creep. rubbing on things. <laughs> Bicycles. <laughs> Dinner that... plate. Just, just filthy individual, really. He's never in, know. He's in the bar saying, "I've waved it around in several of these glasses, and you'll never know which." <laughs> He doesn't really say that. <laughs> I don't think so. But he may have done that. So, uh, yeah, that's that's when he's sort of been unleashed on the world. And uh, I don't know what happens next, but uh, <laughs> I know it eventually gets around to a train derailment. Yeah. Yeah, he, he goes on a, a rampage and a uh, bit of sabotage here and there. and Starting with a bicycle seat. <laughs> and then uh, uh, it goes to the city where the... Uh, the you know the police operation gets really big. You see, you see um, John Carradine a couple of times. What was he going? What was his name? He was going by at the time. John Carradine. Yeah, didn't he have another stage name or nom de plume he was uh, using? I don't know. I didn't think so. I better be careful with the. Uh... Let's make one up right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Jaffers, but that's already been used. That was the cop. <laughs> he, he plays the guy. He, he uh, at one point he's he gets on the phone to the police and he's he's saying, "Oh, you oh. should use ink, <clears throat> spray ink around." Yeah, yeah. I, I like Will's idea better. Just carry carry some flour in your pocket. You know. Right, right. Well, you know, it's just easier than the Wagner paint sprayer. Yeah, especially you know, that carrying that around. But you could probably carry a big can of Montana paint. Oh yeah, put a fat cap on it. You know, yeah. Or just a big bucket of paint. I think they do that also in that Chevy Chase movie. Yeah, I have to go watch that thing again. <laughs> Are you sure? That's uh, directed by John Carpenter. Remember? Was it? Yeah. What? Oh. Memoirs of an Invisible Man. It, it's a really bad movie, did but Dean, it's based on a terrific novel. Did Dean Cundey work on that with him? I, I suppose anyone could look that up. I can't remember. But that was like '92. Yeah, I went and saw it in the theater. It yeah. Was, so disappointing. Yeah. But the novel is really good. H.F. Saint is the only novel he ever did. 1987 novel. And it's really, uh, it's a, he, he's, he's talking about all the practicalities of being invisible. What he has to. I'm, I think I read that. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. That seems very familiar. I'm, I'm, that was followed by Invisible Mom. And Invisible Mom too. And no one saw those. <laughs> like the uh, <laughs> they really were invisible. Fred Fred Olin Ray was keeping the Invisible franchise alive in the nineties. Oh man! Uh, and you might wish he hadn't. <laughs> he did. He did the Invisible Mom movies. Invisible Mom two, aka Mom's Outer Sight, and uh, <laughs> which has Robert Quarry in it. Um, and then he did Invisible Dad in nineteen ninety eight. Invisible dad, it's not seen. Invisible mom, uh, getting an invisible divorce. Uh, <laughs> and you also had the Invisible Maniac in nineteen ninety, which was uh, like a, a sex exploitation. Yes. Thing where he, he uses his powers to just look at chicks. Yes. One of whom is played by Claudette Rains. <laughs> <laughs> May not be her actual name. What year was that? Uh, 1990. 1990. I believe I've seen that. There were there was some. There was a whole range of those softcore mid to late porn. 80s, yeah, like softcore porn. Uh, yeah, there's one called The Erotic Misadventures of the Invis Invisible Man in 2003, which I've not seen. I think that was on HBO the other night. Was it? 
Yeah. That's it's, the one that won the Oscar, right? <laughs> the Oscar for Best Simulated Humping. <laughs> it's the same year as the uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, so there was a bit of competition Ooh. for the Oscar there. Oh, yeah. Man, that is a... <laughs> See, that's another bad movie from a great book. Oh, I know. I, I, I really like that series yeah. of comics. Uh, I like pretty much anything Alan Moore does, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love. I might not read his twelve thousand page book he's put out now. Oh, is that Jerusalem? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you only need one book for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> but oh yeah, terrible film. So does the plot of this thing follow the book very well? Yeah, like Jolien said, it condenses it. Yeah. And, uh, so the taunting the police and leading people on these wild goose chases, um, threatening to come back and kill people and, you know, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, it, it kind of, um, the uh, Flora is added in. Right. Um, and his colleague, um, is he gets a larger role in the movie. Uh, he's... He's he's the guy who um, he, he's like his fellow scientist who's yeah. working for Doctor Cranley, and uh, uh, you know he there's there's quite a long passage where I mean it's a short film it's like seventy minutes but there's quite a long section of it towards the end where he's tormenting this guy he's like he's, he's going to make him work for him yeah he's he's like sadistic in a way that Dracula and Frankenstein's monster never were he like he tells him he's going to get him. Yeah, I'm gonna get you at ten o'clock. You know, the following night, and then when he catches up with him, he tells him everything he's gonna suffer before he dies. Yeah, and then he kills him. <laughs> and he reveals that his um, his reign of terror that he's gonna do. He, yeah, he reveals like we're gonna. Let me see. I have the note here. Uh, we'll begin with a reign of terror, a few murders here and there. Mm. We might even wreck a train or two. Right. Holy crap! So this makes him. By far worse than the Frankenstein monster or yeah. Dracula. Oh yeah, just a and he's human. body count alone. Yeah, which is really interesting because when people think of who's the most terrifying monster, you know, they maybe think the Wolfman. They mm-hmm. may, they maybe think uh, Frankenstein's monster because he throws the little girl in the river or pond or whatever it mm-hmm. is. But no, it's the Invisible Man. think it's Uno <laughs> She's the real horror. Which is actually, thing. she's in the book. And there's just passages mm. of just screaming. <laughs> just screaming ah! and babbling. <laughs> Continued on the next page. <laughs> oh, man. The whole chapter eight of just her screaming and shrieking. Yeah, the, 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 uh, the comedy... There's also uh, is it, uh, who's the who's the young woman who works at the inn? Is it Minnie? Minnie. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, I probably have that here somewhere. Like the novel calls her lymphatic because she's so lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Was laziness at all like excused or accepted back then? I mean, I'm pretty sure if you were lazy, they would just take you out behind the barn and bash you with a shovel. Oh, uh, there's always been. Yeah. In the novel, there's like a whole a whole bunch more characters around the village. Like there's always people who just lay around in the sun in the countryside until the Invisible Man comes up. And there's this character Thomas Marvel, who um, he's sitting there on, on on the roadside in the country, and he's looking at these two pairs of shoes and wondering whether which one's the best for him to go on wearing because he's he's worn them out so badly. 
Wow. <laughs> and the Invisible Man comes up and he and, uh, and ponders killing him for a moment and then uh, and and stealing a pair of shoes. But then he uh, he has to convince Thomas Marvel that he's actually invisible and he's not just a figment of his imagination. And this this tramp doesn't believe him, so uh, the Invisible Man starts throwing bits of flint at him oh, wow. <laughs> until he gives in. Now, I do wonder what it would be like if if the invisibility just started wearing off, just sort of organically. <laughs> that would be that would be kind of hilarious. They wouldn't have done it back then. But. No, uh, they do. Uh, in one of the sequels, uh, which one was that? Um, might be the Invisible Man Returns, where he's gradually wearing off, and you see him start to show through. This is a good time to ask: How does he return if he dies at the end of the first movie? Oh, it's a different different person. Guy. Yeah, okay. yeah, <laughs> just using the name the invisible man yeah the first sequel is the invisible man returns where he's uh it's vincent price playing the invisible man and he's playing sir jeffrey radcliffe uh so he's he's no relation but there's a scientist named dr frank griffin who's the brother oh and he's working on a formula to restore him oh um and and that movie uh so like uh, this series has uh, john fortin doing the, the effects all the way through and uh like so, in the first movie, they talk about him showing up in smoke and things mm-hmm. like that. And then in Invisible Man Returns, they actually managed to do it. It's a really cool scene where they, uh, there's this uh, kind of a smart inspector who uh, uh, Cecil Kellaway from The Postman always rings twice. Okay. And uh, yeah, he's 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 kind of scary because he's 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 cunning and and smart, and he, he catches on to him, and he comes up with all these ways of catching him. So they trap him in this house, and they fill it with smoke and all these police and gas masks. Right, surrounded yeah. him and they come in and they go through the house and you can just see him showing up in the oh, smoke nice. trying to get away from them yeah it's a really cool scene that's cool uh, and the invisible woman he's not related it's uh, John Barrymore plays Professor Gibbs and he's he has he's this kind, the of, kind of electric <laughs> thing and he, and he wants he, he advertises he puts out like this uh, classified ad for someone to volunteer for a, to be experimented on Oh yeah, and uh, volunteer. So this this woman who's like uh, uh, being thrown out of her modelling career uh, turns up at the door and uh, volunteers, and she, she so she becomes the invisible woman. <laughs> A model. Yeah, and my favourite line is that in that movie is uh, "You look like custard pie." Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> I love it. In what way? <laughs> Well, he's he's got this big screen, and she goes behind the screen, and then all these like, you know, Frankenstein's lab sort of electronic gizmos are going off, and there's all these kind of psychedelic like uh, things happening on the screen, and then and you see her like sew up, and uh, as she she kind of fades out and blends in with all these like patterns, and he goes, "You look like a custom pie." <laughs> <laughs> and then the invisible agent, uh, you got John Hall playing Frank Raymond, who's the grandson of jack griffin and uh he's cons- he's taken the name uh, raymond to disguise his identity but the, the nazis the axis powers catch up with him hmm. invisible nazis uh, right and uh, that one's got uh, peter laurie in it as his, as his japanese agent called baron ikito oh. he doesn't even bother doing a japanese accent oh. thankfully 
thank uh, God. I he, had, yeah, he's not doing his Mr. Moto. I had visions of Mickey Rooney <laughs> and Breakfast at Tiffany's. No, he doesn't do that. And could, can we sidetrack on that for a minute? How racist were the cartoons? Uh, a lot of this stuff has been sort of uh, painted over, I want to say, you know, swept under the carpet, however you want to say it. But Warner Brothers and Disney both did a lot of terribly mm-hmm. racist stuff, didn't they? Yeah, there's yeah. stuff that they're really reluctant and, to release. And I don't mean just like Song of the South or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean like having, you know, Mickey and Donald... Um... Run the KKK. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think we just got sued. <laughs> if you think about Disney, you will get sued. So watch uh... it. <laughs> No, I'm just thinking that there were there were a lot of things during World War II, for example. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like, well, come on, we gotta get them. Let's shoot their planes down. <laughs> yeah, especially early on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was they're doing their part for the war effort. Mm-hmm. Only later would it seem like such a bad idea. They have a Donald Duck that he's working for the Nazis. Really? Yeah, it's all <laughs> weird dream. It's weird having a duck goose stepping, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite line in uh, the invisible agent is when he says you nazis i pity the devil when you boys start arriving in bunches oh all right. bunches of nazis <laughs> uh, then the next one was the invisible man's revenge where john hall isn't again playing the, the invisible man but this time he's called robert griffin and uh he's he's no relation still as far as i can tell um but john carradine is back and he he plays this doctor dr peter drury who turns him and a couple of dogs invisible. <laughs> uh, when was this? Uh, that was 1944. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's got a cool invisible dog in it, and, and uh, there's, the, uh, there's a scene in the, in the, the pub with all the, uh, the, those local characters, and uh, he helps this guy win a darts game. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite fun. That is good. So... This would be a good time to ask, if you could be invisible, Will, what would you do? If you had 24 hours of invisibility, what would you do with it? I don't know. Only 24 hours? Okay, let's say 48 hours. you got two full days to give you time to sleep if you need to. And and just to throw this out there, it's 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 business hours, weekdays. It's not on like Sunday or anything. So if you are thinking of robbing a bank... They're open. Yeah, but what do you do? You just walk out with bags of money? Sure. Then... Yeah. They just see money float down the like street? Like two seconds. The, oh, there's an invisible person there. <laughs> We've all seen that trick before. Hop into your evil car and drive away. I don't know. What would you do is invisible? There's not much you can really do. Well, yeah. What power does it give you? That's the question. I mean, it's pretty much about money or revenge or... When it's turned towards uh, espionage, that, that would, yeah, you, you can, know, as in uh, Invisible Agent, um, you could probably make a buck out of that. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, you'd have to find the right people immediately and tell them, "I've the clock is ticking. I can do things. Get me where I need to be. I'm not riding any bicycles, but get me where I need to be, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, pay me big bucks for espionage." So. Again, you know, it's about monetary gain. There's not a whole lot you can do other than revenge and, and profit. Um, voyeurism. Well, sure. 
Yeah. Uh, kicking people in the butt. Yeah, that's that's good too. Like yeah. If, of course, you know that could be random acts of butt kicking, or it, it could be revenge. So I don't know. I I think since the money is FDIC insured, you could pretty much just know that. I I know one. Okay, let's hear it. I would go to, let's say, uh, uh, the Stanley there in uh, oh, Estes yeah. Park and pretend <laughs> to be a ghost. Pranks. Okay. You could, you could do pranks, yes, and hoaxes. Okay. Monetary gain, revenge, random acts of butt kickery and, uh, and prank, pranks. Voyeurism well, and pranks. If okay. you told the staff or the manager and say, you know, give me... 500 bucks per night and I don't even want the money I just want to <laughs> scare people as a ghost yeah you know yeah spend the whole day making things float Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so have, have you seen uh, Amazon Women on the Moon yes yep yeah so there's a skit in that called Son of the Invisible Man Oh, where he's uh, do you remember he that bit? He's and it's invisible. shot as if it's like a 30s universal film and he's he's obviously crazy and it's a uh, who's it? it's um uh yeah uh Ed Bagley Jr. Okay. Okay. He plays this guy called Griffin. He's in Better Call Saul now. And he <laughs> and he, he like uh and he's obviously crazy and he uh, he's completely visible. And everyone yeah. can, so everyone can see him, and he just takes off everything. And he runs around this pub naked. <laughs> I remember like, that now that you say that. Yeah. <laughs> like pl- messing up their darts games and drafts games. And... They're like, why is this crazy naked person? Yeah, doing so this? The, the people are sitting there watching their things being thrown around, going, oh, blimey, we must be haunted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I haven't yeah. rewatched the whole thing, like, start to finish. Yeah, uh, I caught bits really and pieces bit. a couple of years ago. Yeah. But that I remember really liking that one. Yeah, that's that a pretty a good, good one. one. It's funny. I was I was talking to my brother yesterday about um, you know different horror movies that are kind of funny and campy, and uh, and just plain weird. And he said something about brain damage, and I was kind of surprised until he told me that I'm the one who turned him on to it. But uh, I was surprised that he had heard of it and seen it. But that one is so funny and so crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's available to get, but that's one of those that. I have such good memories of that movie being so bizarre. Is it the Hannah Lotter one or the Peter Jackson one? Oh, is it the one about the zombies or the 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 Aylmer? Yeah, Parasite. Yeah, it's the yeah. Hannah Lotter. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I remember. It's follow up to Basket Case. Yes, and I remember turning a lot of people onto that movie. I had a VHS copy of it, and uh, I would just inflict that upon everybody i could because it was so funny yeah. yeah it's a good one the voice of the creature is just hilarious <laughs> it's really refined sounding right. <laughs> he just looks like this weird crusty turd with little googly eyes <laughs> and sharp teeth <laughs> but he's like hello i'm the aylmer <laughs> we should do that one sometime mm. i'll have to yeah. see if i can get a hold of it i want to find that in lair of the white worm okay those two, I think, would be really interesting to talk about. But, uh, you know, maybe we could talk about something newer one of these times, like Bone Tomahawk. <laughs> you did The Witch. That was yeah, new. that was new. Uh, it's probably going to have to be about three or four to one, isn't it? Like, old to new. We often talk about new ones, but they're ones we've seen recently. But That's true. Yeah. Rather than the main subject. Yeah. Tackling it as a main subject would be interesting. So, um... 
so to kind of talk about how the film brings brings around the chaos and wraps it all up, they they put out a reward for the Invisible Man because he's killed a cop, he's wreaked all kinds of havoc, mm-hmm. he's derailed a train, he's smacking people around, he's throwing pitchers and bottles, and he's he's threatened this other doctor. Yeah, um, so they put a, a a reward of a thousand pounds on his head, and uh, that's heavy. Yeah, <laughs> it weighs heavy on his head. And so so everyone's, you know, crazy on the lookout for this guy because they want the money. And obviously they probably want to stop this madman. He ends up sleeping in a barn. And all I could think about was how nasty that hay must feel on his naked body. Mm. <laughs> all scritchy, scratchy. Yeah. This breaking is, out in hives. This is not the time to hop back on the bike. <laughs> of course, he ditched the bike right away, but... Uh, um, so how does this thing wrap up? Well, the farmer hears breathing in his barn. Yeah. And he reports it, and the police send a search yeah. party out. So there's always soldiers and cops. There's quite a huge army of these people surround this barn. Yeah. And then they set fire to the barn. And then when he runs out, they shoot him dead. Yeah. yeah. Well, they don't shoot him. They, mortally, they shoot him, and they, then he dies later at the hospital. They mortally wound him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where we get to see some really cool film effects of the day. Mm-hmm. So, so apparently they made a, uh, a plaster bandage uh, underneath the blanket that sort of was in the shape of his body. And then they had yeah, a, and the, uh, the pillow is all, all molded as well. It's a sculpture. Yeah, it's de- got the depression of where his head would be. And they, uh, they did the same kind of thing they did the time lapse with the Wolfman makeup. Yeah, as he slowly becomes visible. Yeah. So they started with an actual skeleton, a real skeleton, and then they did some... Spooky. Yeah, back then, a skeleton was a spooky... A real skeleton. Yeah. (laughs) Real tomato ketchup. (laughs) Why are skeletons scary? I don't know. They shouldn't be. They're inside you all the time. Yeah. Oh, it's my, my, uh, my cousin when he was a child, he told his mom... When I was inside you, I could see your skeleton, and it scared me, and I couldn't sleep. <laughs> wow. Like, this was like four. I mean, he really young kid, and it just stuck with me. Like, that's, I could see your skeleton. That's great. <laughs> Kids do say the damnedest things, don't they? They do. Went on drunk on rum. Especially. There's a, there's a Ray Bradbury story called uh, Breadsticks, I think, where it uh Skeletons become like self-aware, and they don't have your best interests at heart. Yeah, see, that's nasty. the thing with the dead; they never have your best interest <laughs> at heart. Same goes with talking animals. If an animal ever starts talking to you, don't listen. Well, then, uh, <laughs> like the farmer said, that sheep's a damn liar. <laughs> there is another Fred Olin Ray movie called Abner the Invisible Dog. Uh-huh. Uh Came out few years ago in 2013 where uh this dog becomes invisible somehow and he also acquires a plummy british accent sounds like a winner (laughs) (laughs) i bet it's great i've not seen it and i've also not seen the the invisible dog which was a british movie from 1910 i think it's the first invisible dog movie (laughs) 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 those keeping school then why didn't somebody stop them and 2013 just say no invisible dot no this is no. a horrible idea you guys this is beyond stupid well there's a, a, a there's a 
a movie about an invisible dinosaur. Have you seen that one? No, no one has. Uh, <laughs> I have. <laughs> an invisible dinosaur. An invisible Is dinosaur. that how you get around the special effects? Yeah. Genius. Wow. That is 1964. Genius. El sonido prehistorico. Uh, Spanish movie. Magnifico. Yeah. And uh, those people are trapped in this this little hut out near some excavations. And um, and the, all they can hear is this roaring of this invisible dinosaur they've woken up. And, wow. And then occasionally one of them gets, you know, rent marks appear in them. They get torn up and killed. And... Is that a ghost dinosaur or is it no. really invisible? I forget how... Uh, I forget what the actual how about the invisible creature they, from... they kind of unearth it and it attacks them but like two of the the two women in it are played by two of the great Euro horror beauties uh, Soledad Miranda and uh, Ingrid Pitt oh, when was and this? They, and they do the shimmy uh, oh, 64 well, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how about the invisible monster from uh, the forbidden planet Oh, yeah. Oh, Monster from the Ed, yeah, that's a great yeah, one. Yeah, that's a fantastic love that movie. effect there. Yeah. Uh, and there's also, uh, yeah, there's there's one called uh, All Off and the Invisible Man. Uh-huh. So it's part of the All Off series, but it's, it's not much to do with them. There's kind of Frankenstein character played by this, the guy who played the original Dr. All Off, uh, Howard Vernon. Okay. And uh, he's created this invisible creature which turns out to be this uh, man in a gorilla suit who is invisible. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that makes sense. So he and the gorilla suit are both invisible. Yeah. So if he decided to run around naked and give someone else the gorilla suit, would that make two invisible I, people? I watched it, and by that time, the movie, it's such a sleep-inducing movie. I, my mind was just so... You, you kind of... You're right, your eyes kind of open up again at certain points because, like... There's nudity in it, and uh, and this is like uh, people. You know, this is 1970s before people groomed. Uh, huh? <laughs> it's quite shocking. Uh, so. Yeah, and then there's the, there's this invisible gorilla running around, and by that point, I wasn't sure if he was supposed to be a man in an obvious gorilla suit or it was an actual gorilla that was invisible. Wow. <laughs> You can get a gorilla suit so cheap now. This, you know, there was a time when a gorilla suit cost a lot of money. <laughs> it's a reoccurring theme on this show. Kids these days don't know the value of a good gorilla suit. They don't. Um, yeah, I won't even talk about where to go buy one because then pretty soon everyone will have one. Yeah. I want to keep it special. They should stick with shirts. Yeah. Nice. Nice button up or what's the difference between button up and button down who buttons their shirt down who starts Don't you start at the top no i start Isn't at the bottom the button down when the corner of the collars oh yeah. is that what that means yeah i thought it just meant the shirt had buttons on it no <laughs> unlike the dashikis that you would wear in the 70s yeah okay well before i forget to ask this um would you recommend this to someone who is a horror fan to watch? Mm -hmm. You would? Especially a younger viewer who's really into today's horror movies. Especially people who like Paranormal Activity and their iPhone. Yeah. They'll love this. They'll love this movie. Um, 
I, I suppose I would. I think it takes a... I wouldn't stop anyone from watching it. <laughs> you would make a pitcher float across a room and smash it on their head. Um, I think it takes a special kind of uh, viewer to want to watch this or to get out of it what you can get out of it. I mean, you have to really appreciate this thing being in its time. But I would. I, I think it's I think it's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It's, it's short and to the point. It doesn't drag really anywhere. Yeah. Um, uh, if you can contextualize, uh, you know, the technology they were working with, it's very impressive. Oh, especially yeah. yeah. Um, I think IMDb. One of the somewhere I was looking, somebody <clears throat> uh, wrote a post claiming to be uh, seventy nine, whenever this post was written, and having seen this in the theater and being terrified of the bandage unwrapping scene, mm-hmm. really, and that. He went to, you know, tons of movies over his life, but this movie really stuck with him. Was, uh, you know, the yeah. thought that there's an invisible, there could be an invisible person in your room. Right. Right. With you. There was a time when that could be truly scary. And not now with all the decapitations and expensive <laughs> or cheaply made gorilla costumes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, decapitations are a dime a dozen oh, now, man. We are so desensitized. It used to be special getting one's head cut off. Mm-hmm. Now it's just right and left. Yeah, so, so I think it's, yeah, if you're uh, interested in the history of horror, history of special effects. Definitely. Uh, definitely check it out. If you're interested in the history of, um, uh, like, the kind of subversive, like, secret way of portraying uh, homosexuality on film... Uh, James Whale movies in general you need to see and this one's very interesting because you've got a guy who can only be himself when he's naked <laughs> you know, it's pretty easy to read into things and he's he's like persecuted and he's shut out he's literally locked out society um, yes yeah, so you can read that into it it's also uh, it's truly surreal you know not like people nowadays they say surreal as in it was weird yeah but it's truly surreal there's there's um You've got the main character who's there and he's not there at the same time. Yeah. Uh, you've got ordinary objects come alive on the screen. There, there was this uh, Dada movie in 1928 called uh, Ghost Before Breakfast. Okay. Where there's these floating bowler hats. Of you know, you don't know if they're, they're actually bowler hats are just floating around or there's invisible people there. But yeah. It, you know, it's an actual Dadaist movie and where where objects come to life, they take on a life of their own and rebel. In the in the very idea of that movement, Dadaism was for things to be as nonsensical as possible. Yeah, yeah, because like uh, these these people have been through the First World War and they saw that as the culmination of rationality. Mm-hmm. So therefore, in order to uh, break past that, you had to go with irrationality. Sure, it's a good idea. So yeah, stop making sense. Stop making sense. <laughs> Uh, it's interesting uh, as a, a you can you can read uh, class issues into it. Um, yeah, so it, you know it's, it's a really interesting concept. And, well, Ralph Ellison's The Invisible Man. Yeah, um, and which is not a science fiction work, but you know you've got the main character who's unseen because because of his race. Yeah, uh, and there's several science fiction stories before and after that where mm-hmm. people are not actually physically invisible. But 
they become unseen because another group has made that choice. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't think of examples right now, but yeah. So that that, that Ellison novel is kind of one of those. Yeah. Well, I, I'm really glad that we all enjoyed our rewatch of uh, The Invisible Man. I think it's, like you said, especially, you know, where its place is in film history and the history of special effects. It, it's kind of cool to revisit that. And, uh, you know, anything that we would regard as quaint or silly or ridiculous, you expect that. You take it with a grain of salt, uh, except Una O'Connor. She should <laughs> she should be uh, digitally... You're going to re- do a fan edit where she's <laughs> cut out. <laughs> or just looped over and over and over. Like all dialogues replaced with her screaming and babbling, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll spike some of that in in places. In in fix, I'm fixing it in post. I'm going to put that in here so people can know that if they intend to just listen to this podcast and eventually get around to watching The Invisible Man or not bother watching it, you need to hear what she sounds like. So we're going to put that in here. Yeah, she test your speakers. Oh, for sure. Um, my nephew Johnny asked me, "How will you ever top this intro, the one that we did last time with The Exorcist? Because we had Eileen Dietz, man, that was right. that was cool. Uh, we'll find a way." Okay. And, uh, Claude Rains. Yeah, we're gonna from beyond the grave. We will summon Claude Rains. Yeah, yeah, he's he's in this and the Wolfman and uh, the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, he's everywhere. You want to uh, be? You got jo- John Carradine, <laughs> who's in like hundreds of movies. You got Dwight Fry turns up as a reporter. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Good cast. That's a good one. Well, our podcast is now just a few minutes longer than this movie was. <laughs> All right, <laughs> isn't that cool? It's probably a good time to wrap I'm, it up. I've not even talked about the Bollywood ones what? or Japanese oh, ones. Let's take <laughs> let's take a couple more minutes because that deserves some discussion. Tell us about the Bollywood. Uh, yes, yeah, Invisible a, Man. Uh, one of my favorite. Bollywood movies, I like Indian movies generally, but uh, Bollywood movies are like the musical fantasy ones that yeah. come out of Mumbai. Uh, and there's there a terrific one in 1987 called Mr. India. Okay. Where he's like a, an oppressed working class guy who's trying to fight for his community and he, he gets the power of invisibility. Sounds uh, good. It, it's so entertaining. They are entertaining. It's so good. And then Japanese started making them in 49. Um, and uh, special effects by yeah, Eiji Tsuburaya, who did the original Godzilla okay. series. Um, yeah, so the, they started making them in '49, and uh, uh, so they made like three of those through to the '50s. The third one was um, Tomei Ningen to Hayo Toko, which is the Invisible Man and the Fly Man. Oh, so, <laughs> kind of. Combines two things. The fly man is a guy who can miniaturize himself. Like Ant-Man. Yeah. Except uh, for he has wings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that was quite fun. And they made like a samurai crossover called Tomei Tengu in 1960. They ever do a blind swordsman meets a <laughs> no. invisible swordsman? <laughs> no, so they did not. Um, I mean, that's a shame. That's a good one there. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, they, they didn't. I think the latest one they made in Japan was called Oh Invisible Man. Oh. <laughs> Which is a sex comedy. Oh. Oh. Invisible Man. <laughs> Didn't see you there. <laughs> oh. Excuse me. Yeah, he's already on your bike when you go to sit on it. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so stuck on the idea that that's awful. 
for a naked person to be riding a bike. Yeah, you're right. A bicycle's too much. A unicycle's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you want to limit the number of wheels. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, I, 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 I won't keep going because there's like, there's well over 50 oh. Invisible Man movies, TV series, shorts. Invisible Man's. How yeah. Many, how many Invisible Man's are there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, it's probably a good time to thank our listeners. Um, I was looking on our stats on SoundCloud we have listeners all over the world. It's kind of amazing. You said Rome? Yeah, we have Romans. The Romans really like us. We have uh, Romans. We have Romans. We have Norwegians. People in Japan. People in South America. We have people all over the place listening to this podcast. And it's amazing to me. Uh, so hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. <laughs> uh, we do appreciate it. And we ask only one thing. If you can, go rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It'll help other people find us. And uh, we did get a, a really nice um, five-star rating from a fellow podcaster who we'd mentioned on the show before. And uh, that was from our friend of ours who's on Ghosts in the Burbs. Uh, so it's cool when other people, because I do the same thing. I, I hear other podcasts and I go and give them a rating because I know it's it's hard to come by. So please get a chance, go do it. Um, it really does help. And then the more people hear about us and listen to us um good chance maybe we'll eventually get 10 bucks for doing this thing and uh, maybe get please some, send us money get get us better <laughs> microphones or get some uh, well we do okay with booze typically you know, we, we always have a drink we need new uh, gorilla suits yeah yes. well the the place that sells them is in omaha it's called Oriental Trading Company. Of course Company. it is. <laughs> yeah. All the best gorilla suits come out of Nebraska. <laughs> sure they do. <laughs> Where do they make Stetson hats? Because I think if they could move those two plants side by side, you could just get a great cowboy gorilla costume going. Ah. Damn, I sidetracked. Um, but anyway, thank you everybody for listening to us because that's amazing to look at the stats and know that there's people all over the world kind of digging what we do or scoffing at us, whatever you do. But thanks for listening. And stay off stay the Stay off the moors. Come on, Jaffer. Yeah, what's all this? It's the stranger with the goggles. He's gone mad. He's assaulted Mrs. Hall and nearly killed her husband. Huh?